fantasy expert Nee Wallace Bruce tells you how it's done in this year's 14-team PPR fantasy football experts draft, where he goes pick by pick on his actual draft. This is not a mock and takes you through the strategies required to win at fantasy football. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Pro Sports Podcast. My name is Neil Willis Bruce and today we're doing something completely different. It is September, it is fantasy draft season and I'm going to take you through how I drafted in my home league, a league that I started seven or eight years ago in Australia. It's 14 teams, PPR scoring. You start one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one kicker, one defense, and there's one flex spot. No super flex, just a standard flex spot. So wide receiver, running back, or tight end if you need a fantasy. So this league's been running for a while, so I have a rough idea of how folks draft. But at the same time, on draft day, the key is to just react, okay? React to how the league is moving. So I was in the eight spot. I was picking eighth out of the 14 teams, and my first pick was Aaron Jones, the running back from Green Bay. Now, there were wide receiver options like Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. There was also Austin Eckler available, but for me, I wanted a strong running back. I feel like in this kind of format, you need to get one of the top 10. Moving on to round two, it was another running back for me that I picked. It was Joe Mixon this time from Cincinnati. Justin Jefferson from Minnesota was available, the wide receiver, but I skipped on him. Again, I tend to lean on running backs early in the draft. I prefer that you could say security of carries and guys who are going to get the ball a lot, particularly someone like Mixon in an offense with the quarterbacks coming back. He's going to get involved early and often. The game, game script may not suit him, but Gio Bernard is no longer there. Hopefully, he can get some more catches in addition to carries. Moving on to round three. I get, yep, I stayed with running back once again, in case you're wondering. It was James Robinson from Jacksonville. Now, we're playing on the platform that's Yahoo, and Yahoo has a notoriously slow ADP, I guess, data. So, James Robinson was being missed by other people in the league. Maybe not everyone knew that Travis Etienne was out for the year, but I wasn't going to let that slip. I was going to let him pass me the third time round. James Robinson is going to be the starting running back in Jacksonville, and I was going to take him every day over quarterback Josh Allen and other wide receivers. It's not often you can get three starting running backs like this, but I had to do it. Moving on to round four, I eventually got my wide receiver, and I went with Brandon Ayuk from San Francisco. I could have taken DeAndre Swift from Detroit here, but I felt that this is now moving into the part of the draft where you need to start giving your roster a little bit more of a look as opposed to taking the best player available. So I took Ayuk over DeAndre Swift from Detroit because I needed the wide receiver. I know San Francisco has a nice schedule to start the season, which includes Detroit themselves. And on the Detroit side of things, their offense is lacking, right? They're rebuilding. They got a new quarterback. They got a new coaching system. And Jamal Williams, who's come over from Green Bay, is now in that running back room. He's going to be catching the passes, and he's going to eat into touches for John Day Swift, as well as the fact that Detroit, they're going to be chasing games. They're going to be throwing. I'd rather have Brandon Ayuk as my top wide receiver than go for Swift as maybe a third or fourth running back, because I only need to start two or three running backs each week. I already had that covered, so let's start to fill out the rest of the roster here. And in that same vein, 
round five, I took Dak Prescott, the quarterback from Dallas. I normally don't go early on quarterback, but Prescott at round five, I was pretty happy with that. I think this is a guy who was in an MVP form last year and was on the cusp of doing great things until he got hurt in week five. So he's back from that gruesome broken leg, and I was going to take him over Trey Sermon every day of the week. Once again, maybe a touch too early, but this is the upside that I want for my quarterback position. I'm not going to take Patrick Mahomes in round two or whenever. I'm going to take someone who's been slept on by others because of injury. From what I've been reading, he's back. He's in a franchise that has a bad defense, so he has to throw to keep Dallas in games because Dallas are contending for the division. So Dak Prescott just made sense to me in round five. Moving on to round six, and I took another wide receiver. Now, this was probably the the reach of the draft, if you will. It was Jamal Chase from Cincinnati. Other players around this time available were Chase Edmonds, the running back from Arizona, and Raheem Mostert from the 49ers. I balked at Mostert in the same way that I balked at Trey Seven in the round before because I just don't know who's going to start for that team. They are my team, but I don't know who's going to get the, the starting role. Probably Mostert because he's a veteran. But at the same time, Kyle Shanahan does what he likes. So I wasn't going to take that risk. I was going to take the, the security of a, a wide receiver who has played with his quarterback, even though he's a rookie. He's played with his quarterback, Joe Burrow, in, in LSU. And that, once again, a wide receiver one, decent value. Yes, he's a rookie, but I think that rapport that he has with Joe Burrow will help him and he will start fast after a few weeks in this league. And to be honest, I was banking on one of Edmonds almost being available in round seven. When round seven came around, that was not to be the case. Now, this is a learning, right? If you're drafting, just take the player. Just always just take the player, right? Never believe that a player is going to be available on the whip round in a snake draft. A snake draft with, if you're picking first in the first round, you're picking last in the second round. Don't ever think that someone's going to be available next time. Someone's going to get them before you. It's just the way it goes. So rounds, round seven, I took Leonard Fournette, the Tampa Bay running back. Wanted to add some more depth to the position. I was happy that I got some wide receivers now. So I went back to running back here. And I took him over Logan Thomas because I think round seven is too early for a tight end. If you're not taking one of the big four, the big four being Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. If you're not getting them early, just wait. So Logan Thomas was too early for me at round seven, so I took Leonard Fournette. Looking at round eight, I took another wide receiver, another wide receiver one, and that was Jarvis Landry. It was too good to pass up. I know Cleveland is a running run-first offense, but Landry is the apple of Baker Mayfield's eye. You can say what you want about Odell Beckham, but Landry is the one that gets the volume in terms of catches. Targets is one thing, catches is another. And the juice, as his nickname is, it's too hard to pass up. So that was a no-brainer for me in round eight. Round nine, I got another wide receiver one, but this one is not a commonly known wide receiver one. In case you missed it, Julian Edelman has retired for the Patriots, so Jacoby Myers is now the presumptive wide receiver one in New England. It's not Nelson Aguilar. It's not Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry requested a trade this offseason. It's Jacoby Myers. Myers has that rapport. He knows... He's had a year in Josh McDaniel's offensive scheme, and he had some rapport with Mac Jones, as well as former quarterback Cam Newton. Jacoby Myers is the name you need to watch for the Patriots in 2021. 
Moving on to round 10. Darnell Mooney was the guy I picked up here. We're starting into the, the middle rounds of the draft. It's a 16-round draft, and this is where I like to take upside. So Mooney is definitely an upside play because Chicago, they have a new quarterback with Justin Fields who'll probably come in maybe week three, week four. They got a few rough defenses to start the season. But Mooney can be a guy who's very relevant in fantasy. Allen Robinson is a wide receiver one on the depth chart for Chicago. And I know there's a new quarterback in town, but it's not out of the realms that Robinson requests a trade to a playoff contender later on in the season. If that happens, Mooney's the wide receiver one, period. He showed upside towards the end of 2020, and I believe that he's going to go to another level in 2021. Round 11. Okay, I took the tight end in round 11. Some will say this is still too early, but the name Dawson Knox from Buffalo, I had to take it here because I've seen Buffalo's schedule to open up the season. They're in the AFC East. They're the most experienced of the four teams who would have thought that in 2021, but here we are. And Dawson Knox is a player who will benefit. He's a guy that will get short yardage opportunities, and he is athletic. I wanted an athletic tight end, someone who can who can make noise. It's a it's a very variable position. It's a boom or bust some weeks, but Knox is someone who can get some familiarity, some frequency with his catches, so I was in on that. Round 12, Paris Campbell from the Indianapolis Colts, wide receiver. Now, T.Y. Hilton is injured to start the season, and Campbell will be in the mix with Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman Jr. This is a new, a young wide receiving core that Carson Wentz will be thrown to, but Wentz is a new quarterback in himself. He doesn't have any loyalty to anyone yet. Campbell has come back from an injury, and I think many people have forgotten that Campbell is in the league because he, he only caught a few passes last year before getting hurt. So I feel like his ADP was depressed for that reason, but I took him because I really believe that in three wide receiver sets because Indianapolis doesn't really have a dominant tight end for those move tight end reps. So the three wide receivers will be relevant. And I, I would put Campbell ahead of Zach Pascal. I think it's really him and Michael Pittman competing for that alpha role. So this is a guy who's probably wide receiver three in most assessments, but he has wide receiver one potential. Round 13. Again, another outside play, but I went back to the running back room because I love my running backs. They come into their own in winter because one of the fancy playoffs, winter. What happens in winter? Bad weather. What do you do when the weather's bad? You run the ball. So Tyson Williams is the running back two in Baltimore. I repeat. Tyson Williams, go look his name up because he's probably on your waiver wire. He's available. He is the right, the running back two in Baltimore. After J.K. Dobbins got injured, Gus Edwards became the running back one. Makes sense. He's been there for a long time. Mark Ingram is no longer on the roster. Mark Ingram is in Houston. Tyson Williams, the undrafted free agent. He's not just a handcuff for Gus Edwards, but he's a potential running back one. Either if he takes the opportunity that he gets and runs with it, or if something happens to the Gus Plus. I don't see the Ravens bringing in uh, the likes of Adrian Peterson or Todd Gurley just yet. I think they have a solid defense. Lamar Jackson runs the ball a lot as it is. They don't really need an old head to come and compete for touches. I think their roster is set up to win the division as it is. So Tyson Williams is a guy you need to look at if you haven't seen already in your league. Round 14. This is arguably my second reach of the draft. Maybe my third if you count Dawson Knox. But I went back to Buffalo. The Buffalo defense. Now, I've been talking about this before. Everywhere that I can say it. I've been talking about it in articles. I've been talking about it on YouTube. 
The Buffalo Bills have a nice start to the season. They have a nice schedule, period, despite winning the division. They just they get the some weaker opponents from their interdivisional uh, matchups, and the defense is going to eat. They're going to get interceptions. They have a strong secondary, and their front seven is pretty solid, too. So I know taking a defense maybe might be a slight reach, maybe one round too early, but with Buffalo, it needed to happen. I wanted to take... Denver, but Denver was already off the board, and I wasn't, as much as I like Carolina, I'm going to keep them in my, in my back pocket for a bye week. I think Buffalo was the move here. Speaking of Denver, though, KJ Hamler, he was my guy in round 15, wide receiver from Denver. He's presumptively the third wide receiver on the depth chart, maybe fourth if you want to count Tim Patrick based on last year, but I think for all intents and purposes, 2021, Cajun Hamlet is the third wide receiver behind Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Now, Hamlet had a very nice 100-yard catch in week one of the preseason. He has connections with the likes of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. He's not, he's someone, this is where you want to get your upside at the end of the draft. Get your guys who are going to help you, and they can pop in certain weeks. And... Denver has a nice schedule once again. There's a theme here, as you would have noticed. I'm picking guys who not only have upside, but also have a nice start to the season. Because that's what it's about in fantasy. You play to win the game. You don't play to manage risk. You don't play to do all right. You play to win the game. And I want to win as many games as possible to start the season and try to get to those playoffs. And then ideally win that championship. We'll get to that another time. But right now, bank the wins to get to the playoffs. So Hamler, he can help with that. And just staying in the Mile High City, I went with Brandon McManus at round 16 to close out my draft. He's a kicker. This, for me, is purely based on the location. Denver's at altitude. The ball travels further. Whether that's baseball or football, doesn't matter. The ball travels further at altitude, especially in the daytime. So that'll be helpful with some of those earlier season game, early season games. But McManus has a history of kicking long field goals. And the fact that Denver hasn't really settled on their quarterback. They have Teddy Bridgewater as a starter right now. But Drew Locke is not that far away from starting if something goes wrong. That tells me that their offense, they will be in situations where they won't be able to get into the end zone. They'll be sitting at the 20-yard line or the 30-yard line. That's when McManus comes in and does his work. And that means points. That means field goals. And if they do get into the end zone, he's going to kick extra points. They don't strike me as a team that's going to be kick going for two. That's what Pittsburgh likes to do. So the Steelers love to go for two after a score because I guess maybe they don't like their kicker or they just believe in their offense more. I believe statistically it's better to go for two, but that's for another day. Randy McManus, a name to remember. Once again, nice schedule, kicks at altitude, or more do you want? But that was it. That was my draft. And you can find more fantasy content over at pro sports podcasts make sure you subscribe and follow and be part of the conversation thanks for listening